Good morning, everyone. Uh, whether you're joining us here at the building or on the live stream, uh, thank you so much for choosing uh, to worship with us this morning. Um, my name is Sonia. I'm a part of the Next Gen team, which means I get to hang out with all your wonderful kids uh, from age birth all the way up to 12th grade, and we just have a ton of fun. Um, we're always looking for more people who are interested in serving with the Next Gen team. I think a lot of people, when they think children's and youth ministry, they think, oh, I'm going to have to come up with everything, and then I'm going to be put in a room with 30 kids all by myself, and it's going to be wild. <laughs> but we try to make it the least amount of wild as possible. <laughs> we try to give you all your materials, put you in there with other people to help you along the way. Um, and we really want to find a space that's comfortable for you to get started. So if that means jumping in head first, um, that's great. But maybe that also means I just want to observe for a couple Sundays. That's totally fine too. Um, so if you ever are curious or have questions about what it looks like to serve on the Next Gen team, you can always talk to me. Um, actually, after service, I'll be hanging out under the welcome sign. Um, so feel free, come introduce yourself, and I'd love to answer any of those questions. Um, but I was told I have to do announcements as well as talk about how awesome the Next Gen team is. <laughs> so um, later today in the service, some of our um, church leadership are going to give us an update on the giving. Um, and November 5th, we're having our next first Sunday lunch. Woohoo! It's going to be chilly, which I'm super excited about. It's like the perfect fall meal. Um, and we need you guys to sign up to bring, you know, that age-old chili recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation or the top Google search of best chili recipes, <laughs> as well as toppings and stuff. So head to mylcc.info uh, to sign up for some of that stuff. And um, finally, we're going to have baptisms next Sunday. And we just love baptisms. We love giving people the opportunity to make that public declaration of their faith um, and talk about the ways that Jesus has impacted them and moved um, in their lives. Um, and it's not too late if you're interested or have any questions. There's going to be one final info meeting directly following the service right in here. So you don't even have to, to get up and move. <laughs> and we'll get all those questions answered for you. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Tom. He's going to bring us the message. But if you guys would just join me in praying for us real fast. Dear Lord, thank you uh, so much for who you are and the way that you love us um, and come alongside us. And thank you for Tom and the message that he's prepared today. Um, I pray you just open up our hearts and minds to receive this message that he's prepared and um, that we just reflect on it and allow it to change our hearts and minds to know you more uh, deeply and follow you more closely. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So glad you're with us. Um, we are going to move this morning, okay? We started a series last week in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is um, it's a collection of ancient Hebrew wisdom. Um, it falls uh, sort of in the middle of your Bible chrono chronologically. Um, most of the Proverbs are attributed to being written by uh, King Solomon, like wise King Solomon. Um, and, um, but, but we're looking at the, the first nine chapters of Proverbs in this series. We'll be here for, for a couple months. And we'll look at the, these first uh, nine chapters of Proverbs because they lay out an argument. They lay out an argument for why someone ought to pursue wisdom in life, like why it matters, why, why, why we, we should be longing for, looking for, doing everything that we can to, to, to have a wise life. And we started last week, appropriately so, in Proverbs 1. 
This is week two. We're going to look at Proverbs 2 in just a minute. But, but when we look at the Proverbs as just these reminders we need to put in front of ourselves. A, bro- a proverb itself, when we see the word proverb, it is, it, what it is, it's just a brief statement of a commonly known truth. Okay? So it's, it's sort of, again, we have, we have our uh, common ones, you know, the early bird gets the worm and those kinds of things. Like, just sort of like little statements of truth. Um, they're usually in couplets in, in the Bible. It's usually a this and that or a this but that. Um, but but they're, they're, they're commonly known truths. And, and in, in Hebrew poetry, as a form of poetry, they don't rhyme sounds. They rhyme ideas. This is all throughout Hebrew literature. Like the, the, the idea of rhyming, that we think of rhyming as, as, as sounds, they would not have thought of it that way. They would have rhymed ideas. And so when you see the Proverbs, they're laid out in your Bible like poetry with, with line and verse. Um, and, and so you, what you're seeing with those is, is the rhyming of, of ideas. Also, though, it's important we look at these to remember that, that the, the style of writing in Proverbs, okay, these are not intended to be like one-for-one guaranteed promises, okay? Now, when we look at them, we're going to see a, the wisdom of God flows through them, okay? That, that all Scripture is, is inspired by God. It's given for our good use with it, but... It's not like there's these, these promises that get made that somehow, if we do this, God is then obligated to, to give us an outcome as we understand it, okay? They're also not prophecies, okay? They're not prophecies that stand in a way to say, like, okay, because this happened, that will come next, and then it will be followed by this thing. But rather, the Proverbs, it's, one way to think of it is, like, it's, it's, a, it's a river that flows in a particular direction. And what the Proverbs are saying is there's all these places to kind of get in this river, with, with, with wisdom and knowledge, understanding, to get in this river, and it's going to flow in a particular direction. That direction is towards God. It's towards his goodness if we do this, okay? But along the way, that river may have some boulders in it. It may have some rapids. It may have, you know, other, other pitfalls and dangers in that river, but it's all the flow of it is all moving in a particular direction. So when we come to the book of Proverbs, when we come to the book of Proverbs, we're looking at, at, in many ways, it, good advice for life from the ultimate source of the best advice available, okay? So, so uh, we want to get into this, and, and last week we looked at, in, in, in Proverbs chapter 1, um, we, we looked at, at the ways that, like, that, that, that God has laid out wisdom for us, and this week in chapter 2, we're going to ask this question, okay? Why can't I seem to get out of my own way, Okay? It's easy to look around. It's, e- it's easy for me. It's easy for me to look around, and I think it probably is for you too, and to look at, like, all the foolishness and the problems out there, okay? Like, our world is crazy. Look at all that foolishness out there. Um, I can see it in those around me pretty clearly, but today we want to take a look at something closer to home for each one of us. What is it about us? What is it in us that, that kind of causes us to get in our own way, that, that, that trips us up by our own doing, and, and, and we're going to ask that question, and, and um, it, it seems to me like when I reflect on my life, my patterns, it seems to me like I'm kind of, I get stuck. I get stuck in, in these things. I get stuck in routines. I get, I get stuck in, in, in patterns that I think are profitable and useful, but they kind of just keep producing results in my life that are at, at best sort of like not exactly what I was aiming at, okay, what I thought that, that, that we, where, where, where things should be headed. And at worst, sometimes, like, I, can, I just make a wreck of things. Like, my relationships go awry. My, my work is troubled, okay? And so, so today we're going to ask, like, why can't I just seem to get out of my own way? So let's read Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
okay? And it says, my son. Now, remember um, the book of Proverbs. If you were with us last week, you may, have, may remember this. If you were with us, you may have forgotten already anyway. But often, like, these Proverbs written by Solomon may have been written, written literally to, to his sons, but it's, it's also just a common device to say, like, like my, my son being, like, a, 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 common, a common greeting for wisdom literature. So, my son, if you receive my words and, and treasure up my commandments with you, make, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, semicolon, okay, thought, right? So, he opens this up with an if, right? My son, if. What we're about to see is conditional. If, if you do this, okay, if you do this, if, and, and look at the language used. If, if you receive my words, like if you treasure them, if you make your ear attentive to it, if you incline your heart, if you, if you set your direction a certain way and you go after these things. Keep, keep reading. Verse 3 says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. More ifs. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. If you, it says like, if, if you're, if, my son, if you're going to do this, if you're going to chase after wisdom, if you're going to go for it, okay? It's like treasure. He says, if you, but if, if you call out for it, seek it, go after it, okay? If you do those things. Now, here's our then. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, okay? So if then, if you go for this, right? If you go, like, search for it like it's hidden treasure. If you'll, you'll do what you can do to turn your attention to wisdom, okay? Then you're going to understand the fear of the Lord. Then you'll get it. It doesn't just, the, the implication being, right? If I, if I sit around and do nothing. If I just kind of go like, yeah, God's got some good stuff to say to me out there somewhere. Yeah, there might be better ways of doing things than I am, but whatever. Then you're not going to have this. You won't have the understanding of the fear of the Lord. Okay? More about that in just a second. But, but here's the thing. This is, the, in, this is in the book of Proverbs here, the Old Testament, this is roughly this wisdom literature is, is 900 to 1,000 years before Jesus, okay? before our New Testament is written. And it says, go get it, Right? Do everything you can. Go get, it's like treasure. You've got to turn your ear toward it, towards it. You've got to make it. You've got to take hold of it. Okay? That's that point. Now, the New Testament, James says it like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. Okay? That seems like a lower bar, right? That seems like a lower bar. But, this is, this is, but what it lays out for us is like sort of this question, right? If we lack wisdom, why don't we lack it? Because what's common between the two of them is this. Like, do, do we want it? What, what is our desire? Have we asked for it? Have we gone looking for it? Do we even notice, do we even recognize that wisdom is something that we need? That I'm, I'm, my life is lacking without it? Or am I just sort of sleepwalking through my life? Just sort of going through the motions of life, taking what comes to me, Okay? The philosopher Van Gogh said, living hand to mouth. Just, where's my next meal come from? I'm not worrying about anything else. Okay? Is that the way we're living? Or, as Solomon says here, he recommends, he, 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 he advises his son, like, look, go for this. If you'll go after it, you can have it. Or as James writes, if you don't have it, just ask from God. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. 
and we still don't have it. So then it goes on to say this in verse 6, okay? It says this, you want it, then you can have it. For the Lord gives wisdom. That's in line with James, right? He gives it. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. He just, he hands it out, okay? But this is part of the then statement, right? Like, if you go looking for it, if you want it, if you'll, if you'll seek it like treasure, then the Lord gives it. It can be yours. So we start this morning. We start this morning. Wisdom is something that we can have, and it puts it in this package. Okay, it puts it in this package. Last week, we looked at wisdom. We're, we're, each week, we're going to c- kind of try and add a little something to our understanding, our definition of wisdom. And, and in week one, last week, we said that wisdom is seeing far enough in advance to avoid predictable trouble. Like, it's being able to, to look forward and see trouble coming and avoid it. Okay? Now, here in, in, in Proverbs chapter 2, we want to we get into the, this understanding of wisdom a little bit more because look at these three words that show up in, in verse 6 here. Okay? It says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So there's three things here. There's three things here that are tied together, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And we, we may look at them as synonyms, but, but, but the, the, in ancient literature here, they did not think of these things as synonyms. Okay? They didn't see these things as be, being the same word. They're related, but also understood to be different. Okay? The first word that we want to look at here is the word knowledge. Okay? In the ancient world, they looked at the, the word knowledge as, as, as sim, similar to how we would. It's, it's sort of factual, like knowing something. Okay? It's having the concrete data in hand. I know something. It's, it's, just, it's just an item of, of, of factual, like, like think about it like computer memory. Like it's there. I've got it. I know it. Upon knowledge, though, they would have built this idea, if you can see that, understanding. They would have built understanding. Understanding takes knowledge a step further. Understanding is is the ability, it it builds on it, and it's the ability to kind of manipulate my knowledge to to new settings, to be able to to conceive of how my knowledge works in life, maybe to be able to explain it to others, okay? Okay. So someone with knowledge might know an awful lot about some, something, but someone with understanding can take what they know and sort of hand it over to someone else. They can, they can pass it on to someone else. But they also understood this, that wisdom was built on top of both of these things, that wisdom goes beyond those things. Because wisdom, it requires knowledge, it requires understanding, but wisdom is actually taking it and using it. Okay? The wise person is the person who does the, the things that they understand. So I, 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 I've gotten to know these two guys around here. One's, I didn't ask them if I could do this. I'm just going to point them out. One is named Dean. Okay? In Dean's work, okay, I bet Dean understands the Pythagorean theorem. I bet he knows what that is. He's not even going to acknowledge it. He knows what it is. Okay? And I bet that if I gave him a problem, he could solve. A, a squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? Like right angles and all that business. That was a long time ago for me. Dean knows it and understands it. But Dean also works in a place where he's gone beyond that, and he applies these things to his world and right angles, and he builds stuff. Okay? Fair enough? Okay, he's nodding. I also know Joe. Joe knows an awful lot of things about an awful lot of stuff, but... but but one that he really knows an awful lot of things about is, is, is like finance and economics. And I appreciate about it. I know very little in that realm, okay? And he sends me things, and I go, that's great, okay? 
And Joe can, like, take it and go, like, well, because of this here, you can put it over there and do that thing and, you know, health care insurance. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah. But I don't really. I'm sorry. I don't really know. Okay? I go, yeah. Yeah. But this is the other thing about Joe. Because I know this about Joe. Joe not only knows those things, understands those things, but, like, he, he moves in his life in ways to, to actually take that knowledge and that understanding, and he arranges things in his life so that he's a good steward of what God's given him when it comes to his financial resources. Okay? He's wise in that area. It's beyond just knowing stuff. He's not, an, he's not a professor of economics. He's someone who actually applies these things in his life. He's wise when it comes to his money. Okay? So we want to say, when we put those three, things, those three words together and understand them in the greater context, we would say this about wisdom, that it's living consistently with what I know to be true. I know certain things to be true, and, and wisdom says I'm going to live it consistently with those things that are true. Now, this may sound obvious, but think about all the places in your own life. Like, I, many of the things that Joe will send me at a base level, I know, but I don't apply them. Okay? I, I know the Pythagorean theorem in, like, in theory. I, I can't build anything. I, I can't do it. Okay? I can't, I can't make it happen. I don't have that. Okay? What wisdom says is, it's one thing to sort of know stuff. Okay? Great. You know stuff. It's, it's another thing completely. It's another thing completely to take what you know and to use it in your life in ways that it actually produces the results of wisdom, okay? To, to, that it produces the, the, the results, the things that result from wisdom. But remember it also said this, and then we want, don't want to leave this behind. We're going to say this and say this and say this until it, it really comes home to us. Just before that, in verse 5, this was all in verse 6, right? Wisdom comes from the Lord. His mouth gives us knowledge and understanding, okay? Verse 5, remember it said, when if, if you'll pursue wisdom, if you'll go after it, if you'll chase after it, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord because this whole thing, the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom are built on the fear of the Lord. Okay? They're built on the fear of the Lord. And we said this last week, but again, to say it again, there is an element of, when, we hear, when you see that word fear, there is an element of fear. Okay? Like just fear, like being afraid. And it comes from the, the, the reality, the truth, something to know is that God is big and God is powerful, and in relation to him, I am not. I have no power compared to God. And so it's only the goodness of his hand, withholding, withholding anger and wrath that, that doesn't just wipe us out. And when we come to that understanding, when we get there, we begin to understand what it means to walk with him. And, and the, the result isn't, isn't anxiety because of how good he is. It's, it's it's love because of his, his goodness and his grace to us. And so fear of the Lord, it may begin with an understanding of me in relationship to God, but it ends with just a reverent faith. I trust him and I love him because he doesn't give me what I would give if I were him to others who treat me the way I treat him. Do we follow? So Knowledge and understanding and wisdom, they all, they all come together. They all come together, and they're all propped up by this thing we call the fear of the Lord. Okay? Knowing who God is, recognizing him for all that he is, and, and a, a reverent fear 
based on who he is. And then this first little section wraps up with this, okay? This, the he here is still in reference to God who gives us wisdom. It says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Look at what, what God does for those that, that fear him, that have faith in him, that, that pursue wisdom through him. It says he, he just stores up. He, there's plenty of wisdom to go around. He's, it's stored up, okay? It's stored up. There's plenty of wisdom to go around. He shields, he guards, he watches the way. The point being, if we get in line with him, it, it will be better. It's not, and remember, it's, it, it shouldn't be read as, as if, if I listen to God and I work really hard, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. Okay? Remember, that's not what the Proverbs are saying. But what the Proverbs are saying, consistent with the rest of Scripture, is that even though we may go through difficult things, when we walk through those things with God, we are ultimately protected. Did you catch that? Even though we may go through difficult things, even though we, we may confront things in our life that are difficult, things that we would never have chosen for ourselves, uh, like things, things that, that actually are, are painful to us, Right? Walking with God doesn't keep us from those things. What it does is it protects us in the midst of them. Ultimately, we wind up with him. We've got to keep moving. Chapter 2, verse 9 says this. Okay? Now, this is the second then. The first then, right? Then you will have this wisdom. But now, the second then in verse 9. So if you pursue it, if you pursue wisdom, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. You're going to get it. Like, if you pursue wisdom, you're going to get wisdom, and you're just going to understand it. You're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to all come together for you in a way that makes sense. And, and look at what it says there at the second half of that, in verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. These things are internal as well. It, it actually nourishes us internally. Keep going, verse 11. It says, discretion will watch over you. Like, being able to sort of make, make wise decisions, it's going gonna, it's gonna to watch over you. It's going to help you along the way. Understanding is going to guard you. And then it starts to give us this warning in verse 12. It says, it's delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, okay? That what wisdom's going to do, it's going to have this benefit, okay? So if we go after it and we get it, then it's going to have this benefit. Here's this benefit. It's going to protect us from... from those whose speech is perverted. Now, we hear perverted, and we probably think, like, vulgar perversity. The, the, the Hebrew term is this, kind of this idea of, like, crookedness, like speech that is crooked or it's bent. So it's not really true, okay? So what wisdom does is it helps us spot when what we're hearing is crooked. It's not right. Have we heard anything in our world, in our culture of the last several years about, about misinformation, right? See, what wisdom does is it helps us spot misinformation. It helps us spot things that aren't true, to recognize them, things that are crooked. Keep reading, because this, this idea goes on in verse 13. These, these people, these men who speak perverse things that says they forsake the paths of uprightness. They have one, don't have anything to do with what's right. They would say, forget, like, right isn't, doesn't matter, Okay? It, they walk in ways of darkness. They, they, they prefer to walk in places where their actions are concealed. They hide things. 
who, they rejoice in doing evil and delight in the crookedness, again, the perverseness of evil. Like, they, they actually enjoy getting ahead with the, the, the evil, with the crookedness. Verse 15, these men, here's translate this way, whose, their paths are crooked, and they are devious in their ways. It's comforting to know that listening to the wrong voices is not just a 20th and 21st century struggle, Right? Thousands of years, people have been listening to the wrong voices. But I will say this, um, culturally speaking, and this probably won't come as a surprise to any of you that I'm going to say this, culturally speaking, we have found all new ways to listen to the wrong voices. Right? All new ways. We, we invent whole systems to, to have the, the wrong voices put in front of us. So the Pew Research Center... <clears throat> The Pew Research Center asks people about their online activities and comes up with some data, okay? If you have problems with these numbers, take it up with them, okay? 70% of American adults, this is 2021, I realize these things can fluctuate, but in in the whole, I think we're going to see this. 70% of U.S. uh, American adults check Facebook daily. 70% check Facebook daily. 87% weekly. Check Facebook at least once a week. If you're not looking, you're in the, uh, statistically speaking, you're like the 13%. 59% Instagram daily. 80% weekly. 46% on Twitter daily. 73% weekly. YouTube is 54% daily, 83% weekly. An awful lot of people checking in on YouTube at least once a week. Okay? Okay, now, those numbers may sound crazy. Again, take it up with them. These have been fairly consistent over the last three or four years. They did spike during 2020, and they were up in 2021. Numbers for 2022 are not released yet. I, the newest I could find. Also in 2021, 11% of, of American adults read their Bible daily. 11% read their Bible daily. 34% weekly. Did you catch that? 70% of Americans, Facebook daily. 80, 87% weekly. Bible daily. Look, I I don't read my Bible every day, okay? I haven't checked Facebook in a while, proud to say. (laughs) I'm more of a Twitter guy, okay? (laughs) I haven't missed Twitter in too many days, okay? But we have an issue, right? We have an issue. And it's that we are turning our ears, I mean, in this case, our eyes, but it's words, right? We're turning our ears towards sources of truth that are not interested in your good, your flourishing. It's just not. It's not about what's best for you, the the user. It's about other things. It's what the Proverbs is saying to us is, how can we expect to be wise with, when we're, we're not seeking the source of wisdom? How can we expect to get wisdom when we spend more time on these things, on these other distracting things, than we do with God's word? It's a fairly straightforward and basic question, but it's a reality of where we live. We have all of this noise. All of these things, I, we didn't even get into streaming numbers. You don't want to see the Netflix numbers or Hulu numbers. In fact, when you add them all up, I, I think 
some, somewhere out there, people are living like 35-hour days and spending like, well, and, what, and we know what's happening, right? Netflix is on one screen, YouTube's on another, and they've got, their phone has Twitter out. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? That's how we're living. Now, we go back 3,000 years. I, I mean, there's, we, can, we can just sort of like throw our hands up. We go th- back 3,000 years, and Solomon is saying, don't, like, pursue wisdom, and you're going to recognize the crookedness of everybody else's speech, of all the other things you're hearing and seeing. But you have to pursue it. Okay? So let's, let's keep going. We've got to wrap this up. Verse, verse 16. Now we get a so. We've had an if and two thens, and now we get a so, okay? And it says, so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. That's a weird word as well. Um, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Those, the, the forbidden woman is like an adulterous woman here. It, it very well may have some sexual connotation to it, but it's, kind of, it's actually like the foreign woman or the strange woman. Like, That's what it means. Okay, so from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. So what happens with this, right? Like like if we're listening to the wrong voices, it leads us astray. And who understood being led astray by foreign women more than Solomon, right? His story was a thousand women in his life. And, it, he, it, and, the, and, and that influence led to the introduction of false gods for the children of Israel and the splitting of the kingdom. And like all kinds of negative things happened. And on a big scale in Israel, those were, those were a really big deal. But in lives of people and individuals, it led them to destruction. Keep reading verse 18. It says, for her house sinks down to death. It goes into the grave. Like all of this stuff, all of the crookedness, all of the perversity, all the distraction, all of that stuff, it leads down to death. It, it, it ruins us. And her paths to the departed, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Like, it, it, all of this cumulatively has an impact on culture. It did 3,000 years ago, and it is for us now. But it also has impact on us individually. It corrupts. When we choose to set aside God's word, God's truth, in favor of all the distracting noise, all the crookedness. There's an allurement to it, right? There's, there's, there's a seduction to it. But all it winds up doing is ruining us. And it takes us all the way to a point where we've lost, like, all that's important. Verse 20, this is the second so, Okay? So ifs, thens, and now sows. So, you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. The imagery of the land there is really important for them. But the idea, because, because for them, God's blessing was, was part of having the land. Like God's blessing on them as a nation. Okay? So, so you're going you're gonna to have it. You're going to inhabit it. And have you ever been lost in the woods? I, I, I took, um, I was a youth leader in college and took, we took a, a camping trip. <laughs> and I took, um, I took, uh, I, had, I had three boys with me on, on the trail. We kind of got separated from the group. And if you've ever been hiking, like the trails are all marked by what they call them blazes. It's, it's just paint on the tree in different colors usually. And, um, and so we were supposed to follow, I actually vividly remember, we were supposed to follow the white blazes, like the white painting on the tree. And you, 
they, they're painted out so that like from, from this one, you can see another one down there, and you walk to that tree, and you, you kind of stay on the trail that way. So when the trail splits, you follow the color blaze that you're supposed to be following. Okay. So I, I take these boys, um, well, it's a big group, maybe 30 of us, and, and three or four leaders, and, and I wind up like moving a little more quickly, um, and I've got three or four boys moving more quickly with me, and we get down the trail, and um, we kind of stop to wait for the rest of the group to show up, and they don't. We're just kind of there in the woods. And I start to look around, and we stayed on the trail. I start to look around. And as I look around, I notice, gosh, I don't, I don't see any of these white blazes on the trees. And I'm trying to keep it together, right, because I've got these probably 13 to 15-year-old, three or four of them with me. And they're a little, they're a little anxious, but I, we got this. So the right answer is always, right, just keep going. Just keep going. So we just keep walking. And we're kind of, we're starting to yell out, like, for the rest of the group, the sun's starting to go down. Okay? Like, there were all these signs put in front of us. There was a good path for us to walk. But I went out on my own. I did my own thing. And we wound up hiking into a horse camp, and some kind people put us on horseback and rode us out (laughs) to a parking lot. Where I found out that the group had split off into more than two, and literally there were boys who just decided, like, I think I hear traffic, and just cut out over to, the, like, a road. Like, it was a debacle. <laughs> that, that church didn't let us take any more camping trips, okay? <laughs> but the point being, the point is this, right? You see, God has, has set a path in front of us. He's given it to us. He's laid it out. But in order to, like, follow it, we have to listen. In in the case of backpacking, you have to watch for the blaze. You have to see the the markings and follow them. You have to look for, know, wherever you are, you have to know where the next one is. And it's the same idea here, right? Like, I have to look for them. I have to want them. I have to chase after them. I have to make sure that they're always in my sight. Because here's the deal. This is the last verse. The wicked get cut off. The treacherous are rooted out. They're rooted out. You see, and and what Proverbs 2 is telling us is is this idea that we wind up off the path and off the trail oftentimes because we just didn't listen to what God was telling us. We didn't pursue wisdom. We became occupied with other voices. And why can't I get out of my own way? If I'm going to be honest with you, it's because most of the time I'm listening to some other advisor. I'm being discipled by things in my culture other than led by the Word of God and His truth. I don't want it that bad. I want to be distracted from the things that are difficult in my life, and so I just turn it on and fuzz out. I don't want the, the, the indecision and the, the, the stuff that, that I'm wrestling with to be present in my mind, and so I just find an app that I can just play with and fidget with. But it's all discipling me. It's all leading me in a particular direction. I can't get out of my own way because I, I listen to the wrong voices. I'm discipled by podcasts rather than the scripture. I'd rather thumb through Twitter than the Gospels. I'll spend hours watching Netflix and neglect 
theology and understanding who God is. See, knowledge doesn't save us. Understand this. Knowing doesn't save us. The fear of the Lord, faith in him does. But without the knowledge, without the understanding, without the wisdom, I'm surely going to die. I'm going to rot. That's what is being said here in Proverbs throughout, but particularly in chapter 2. I'm going to call the band down. I want to do this exercise with you. Some of us read this orange book by John Mark Comer. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, I'm sort of ruthlessly going to take some things out of it. Um, He's really good at actually putting together collected wisdom. And so as they come down, I'm just going to do this thing, and I want to close what we do today with some warnings. Some warnings. Um, One of the things he does is he gives us voices from all over the place, from ancient wisdom through just modern day about what we're sort of doing to ourselves culturally when it comes to all the stuff we listen to, okay? And so I'm just going to read these, um, and, and they're going to play, and then we'll, we'll, we'll pray and, and wrap up um, this morning, okay? It says this. This is the first one by Ronald Rollheiser. It says, it is not that we have anything against God, depth, and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We're more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Nicholas Carr says, what the net seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Whether I'm online or not, my mind now expects to take the information the way the net distributes it in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words. Now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Neil Postman says it this way, technology must never be accepted as part of the natural order of things. Every technology, from an IQ test to an automobile to a television set to a computer, is a product of a particular economic and political context and carries with it a program, an agenda, and a philosophy that may or may not be life-enhancing and that therefore requires scrutiny, criticism, and control. Michael Zigarelli says, It may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. Which leads to, two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives. Which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God. Which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live. Which leads to, five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. And last, catch this. John Ortberg says, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith is critical. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Did you catch that? Become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I want to end with just this challenge. Okay? Just a challenge for us. 
if the scriptures tell us in, in, in the book of Proverbs that we got to tune our ears to God's wisdom, that we have to seek it like it's hidden treasure, and that there's all kinds of distracting voices, there has been for thousands of years, and we have our own. I want to challenge each and every one of us this week, this week, take one hour, one hour each day, okay? One hour. Power down your phone. Don't even leave it on. Take your tablet and put it upstairs, downstairs, wherever. Turn off the TV. Read your Bible. In the first five minutes of that hour, read your Bible. You don't know where to start? Proverbs makes a lot of sense right now. Just read it and sit in it without all the other voices. I want to challenge us to do that. Because it's all the noise, all the stuff's getting in the way of hearing God's wisdom, of hearing from him. Can we give it one hour each day? Just one to start. Let's pray. God, we're, uh, we're thankful that you've given us your truth. And we, uh, we trust you and believe you when you tell us that it's better than any alternative. Help us, help us in our weakness, help us in our flesh, help us to, to recognize the crookedness of the world, um, and help us to, to spirit to say no to the devil when we're tempted to just push aside what's most important. We thank you for, uh, for your very life, Jesus, and giving it to us, and um, we, we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want it to be just another thought. We want it to be the idea, the, the truth that animates everything else. And so we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.